And as I said earlier, amongst believers, unbelief is the silent killer of faith. Unbelief is the silent killer. Let me just share with you real quickly how unbelief happens. Unbelief happens when we're not diligently building our faith and adding to our faith. You can't just let faith sit on the shelf. You have to engage your faith in the Almighty and His instructions every single day. And you have opposition and warfare that is warring after your faith. Just like Yeshua said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as weak. But I've prayed for you that your faith fails not. Satan desired to sift you as wheat. And you know how Satan sift us? Can I tell you? Are you ready? The cares of this world. Every single day, we are dealing with issues. <laughs> We're dealing with folks. And some of the biggest problems for us is the folks who live in our house. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse -verse study of the Gospel according to Matthew. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Yeshua informed his disciples not to tell anyone about the vision they had witnessed during his transfiguration until after his resurrection. The disciples discussed the resurrection as they descended the Mount of the Transfiguration and immediately became engaged in a tense interaction with the man, his son, and the disciples who remained at the foot of the mountain. The disciples were frustrated because they were unable to cast out an unclean spirit. Yeshua informed them how to overcome their failure, taught them an object lesson on faith, and transitioned his attention to the temple tax. In this teaching, we will address decades-old false teachings and misinformation that have disempowered followers of Messiah, sent them down the path of unscriptural deliverance ministries, and much more. The message title in this podcast is Faith and Taxes. So, let's study. Today we're going to be talking about faith and taxes. As we sent out the email this week informing you of the description of the teaching, uh, we spoke about how Yeshua informed his disciples to tell no one about the vision they had witnessed. And we identified last week as we talked about the transfiguration that Yeshua revealed to Peter that it was a vision and that they were not to tell or Peter, James, and John that it was a vision and that they were not to tell anybody about this until after the resurrection. Of course, they discussed the resurrection. Not much did they discuss about what they had experienced, but what Messiah had said as he was coming down the mountain with them. And at the foot of the mountain, there was this situation as we're going to look at Matthew and we're going to see in Mark and Luke, which this particular story also is told from a different perspective. We're going to see that there is some 
intense interaction going on at the foot of the mountain while they are coming down the mountain. And we're going to see that the disciples were frustrated and they had been further frustrated by the confrontation that they were being confronted with and their lack of ability or lack of faith or unbelief. In this teaching, we're going to address some false teaching and misinformation, which I believe have really disempowered followers of Messiah. And I think strongly that it gave rise to what many of us may be familiar with as far as deliverance ministry. I mean, there was a time back in the um, late 90s, actually was in the mid 90s and late 90s, that deliverance ministry hit the scene as hard as the whole word of faith movement. People everywhere was incorporating deliverance and demonology teachings and casting out demons in people who had been a part of their service. And what's really interesting is that when that movement hit, it hit in congregations that had existed for a long time, but not necessarily recognized anything about demonology and deliverance ministry until that movement hit, you know, big time. Next thing you know, everybody's talking about casting out devils. Well, how many of you know casting out devils were happening 2,000 years sooner than that? And the way it was being done and the way it was being taught or operated on in the churches was very different than how it was being done in Scripture. And so we're going to look at some of that. Amongst believers, and this is something you want to hold on to, Because this is something that every one of us deal with. Every last one of us. There is a difference between having faith in God and having faith to do what he has called you to do. We don't want to confuse those two faiths. Because people generally, when they talk about faith, unless you're in a word of faith movement a ministry, unless you're in a, a deliverance ministry or healing ministry. And you notice that many of these ministries have taglines as to what they're called. Then unless you're in those types of, of environments, when you have general discussion about faith amongst the people in the world, they're generally talking about a belief system, a denominational, you know, what denomination you're from. What is your faith? Are you Baptist? Are you Pentecostal? The Bible doesn't address faith from that perspective. It addresses faith in the Almighty, faith in Yeshua, and then it addresses the faith that is required to walk in the things that the Almighty has called us to do. We're going to see that the disciples, they vacillated between belief and unbelief. Their faith in Messiah doesn't seem to have waned, but the ability to operate in the instructions that Messiah gave them seemed to be up and down. And many of us, there are days when our faith is strong. There are days when our faith is weak. 
And it's in those moments that the enemy comes to try to exploit us, which is why it's important for us to build our faith and that we are focused on building and adding to our faith as we're going to give some instructions on how to do that based on the object lesson that I think was learned from the moments that we're about to look at. Many believers are rendered powerless. And as I said earlier, amongst believers, unbelief is the silent killer of faith. Unbelief is the silent killer. Let me just share with you real quickly how unbelief happens. Unbelief happens when we're not diligently building our faith and adding to our faith. You can't just let faith sit on the shelf. You have to engage your faith in the almighty and his instructions every single day. And you have opposition and warfare that is warring after your faith. Just like Yeshua said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as weak. But I've prayed for you that your faith fails not. Satan desired to sift you as wheat. And you know how Satan sift us? Can I tell you? Are you ready? The cares of this world. Every single day, we are dealing with issues. <laughs> We're dealing with folks. And some of the biggest problems for us is the folks who live in our house. Now, there are times when, when I look at some of the sisters who, who live by themselves, <laughs> and they go home to an empty house, they know it ain't empty because they got company, as opposed to some of us who go home to a, to a house with people. See, the biggest challenge you have when you, when you go home to a home that ain't nobody there but you, and of course, your, your father is there are times when you may feel that you don't have anybody, any human interaction during that time. But then there are those of us who have human interaction who wished. Mm hmm. <laughs> I think some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and one desires the other while the other desires the, you know, it's like, it's like we're just not satisfied. But those who have solid relationship with the Almighty and who love themselves don't have as much of an issue except from time to time Desiring that human interaction. Unbelief is constantly, or let me put it this way. We're constantly being challenged by them around us to walk and operate in our faith. But sometimes their conversation causes us to operate in our flesh. It's hard to walk in faith, by faith, with people who are in their flesh. Because oftentimes, we've got to come out of that place of faith 
to engage with fleshly people on a carnal level. And the more we do that, the more we're operating in carnality in the flesh, strengthening the carnal man versus strengthening the spirit man unless we're dealing with the circumstances in conversation from the word perspective. And it's hard sometimes when you are conversing from a belief system with someone who is conversing from a contrary belief system. Now you got to navigate that. Many believers are rendered powerless because of unbelief or they do not believe they have the power Yeshua said they should have. Yeshua said that he that believed in him, the works he did, they shall do in what? Greater works shall they do. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also in what? Greater works than these because he shall do because I go unto my father. So this particular section is found in Mark 9, 14 through 28. And Luke 9.37 through verse 42. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying. And what I want to give you is Mark's perspective on this because Mark records there was an argument taking place while they were in the mountain and now they descend down the mountain. There's a, an argument or questioning or some back and forth that is taking place according to Mark. And here's what Mark says. And when he came to his disciples, now remember how many disciples was with him? Three. So if you are not mindful of what has just happened, and you just pick up like a service, a teaching, you go to church one day and the preacher starts preaching from nine chapter nine. And he says, and when he came to his disciples without the background of what has happened prior to that, guess what? You're going to think he's coming to his disciples, which is what? The 12, three of his disciples was not engaged in this. Why? Because they were with him. So when he came to his disciples, who is he coming to? He's coming to the nine that had remained. All right. He saw a great multitude about them. So while he's in the, in the mountain with Peter, James, and John, there's a lot of folks down there. A, what does it say? A great multitude. Y'all see that? And the scribes questioning with them. In other words, these disciples are being confronted by the teachers of the law. So here's what's going on. There's a man, all he wants is, is some ministry for his son. The scribes are questioning Yeshua, disciples, about whatever they're questioning him about. And then there's some back and forth. See, when you're dealing with people who are not supernatural or filled with the spirit of followers of Messiah, then you're engaging with them on a carnal level. And when you're engaging with people on a carnal level, it causes some contention. It can lead to questionings. It can lead to disputes. It can lead to arguments. 
Here, they're questioning the disciples. And straightway, all the people, when they beheld him, so they're surrounding the disciples. Somebody recognized, here comes Yeshua, the leader. Here comes James, Peter, and, and John with them. And somebody recognized them and then were greatly amazed. And they left the argument and started running toward him. And he asked the scribes, he asked the scribes, what are you questioning my disciples for? Why are you questioning them? You see this? Some of y'all get questions, not about the word, but about me. Questioning, why are you listening to that guy? Why are you going over there? Who, who is he? Is he some this or that? What has he got that nobody else got? You know he's a cult leader. <laughs> Teaching y'all to be under that law. Oh, they say some stuff. And then you guys, I, I, I feel for you sometimes because, you know, you don't have to defend Bailey. You don't have to defend me. All you have to do is stand on the word. And when they start questioning you about me, it's like, okay, why are they questioning you about me? They don't know nothing about me other than what I tell them and what I show them. So why are they asking questions? You know, when people start questioning you about me, you know what you should tell them? Look, Bailey is one of the easiest accessible ministers I know. You call him, you go visit him. He's got a staff of folks. You set up an appointment. He'll sit and talk to you. He, you come to his service, he'll go out of his way to sit and talk to you. He, you know, he wants to make everybody feel welcome. He opens up his service, open mics. People can question and ask all manner of questions. Even folks we can't see online, don't know where they're coming from, where their motivations is, what's in their heart. How many folks you know have that kind of access to ministries? How many ministries, you know, give that kind of access. So they got no need to question you about me when they have direct access to come to me and ask questions. Now, I have no problem with them. I know how to tell people that's none of your business. I do. And be nice about it. <laughs> you ask me a question about what I'm teaching. I have absolutely no problem with that. But if you want to know what color my underwear is, then we got an issue. It's like, why are you trying to get up in my underwear? You, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes folks be asking questions they got no business asking. And then what you going to do with the answer? I mean, how is that going to benefit you anyhow? It has absolutely no, you're just being nosy. A busybody in other people's affairs. Don't give in to that kind of nonsense. And don't be trying to get in other people's business either. The father called the spirit affecting his son, a dumb spirit. Mark nine seventeen. And one of the multitude answered and said, master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a what? A dumb spirit. In Matthew, he said, have mercy on my son for he is lunatic. And sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. The word lunatic here, meaning to be moonstruck or lunatic, to be epileptic, epilepsy being supposed to return and increase with the increase of the moon, 
And of course, the one who's giving this, who is defining this according to the actual word is saying this meaning is doubtful as the Greeks knew nothing of epilepsy. And so you have a word that is lunatic. Mark identifies it. The man identifies He says, my son's got a dumb spirit. We're going to see that in one of the other writings, Yeshua is going to refer to it as a deaf and dumb spirit. He says, I brought him to thy disciples and here's the damning words. They could not cure him. The disciples, the man brought his son to, as I stated, were the nine disciples left behind when Yeshua, Peter, James, and John was up on the mountain. Yeshua's response to the statement of the man who said, I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him was just as damning because Yeshua answered and said, now, what did the man say to him? Notice that there's a couple of things going on. Yeshua comes down. The scribes are questioning his disciples. There's a man who had come. He wanted the disciples to minister to his son, but for whatever reason, they were unable to. The man decided, okay, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do nothing. I'm bringing them to you. You the leader. And so Yeshua is addressing two things. He's addressing the scribes who are questioning the disciples, the multitude of the people that are surrounding the disciples and the disciples themselves. He says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. That's inclusive of everyone who is engaged in this other than Peter, James, and John. Because they had nothing to do with the matter, right? How long shall I be with you? Now he's questioning the fact that, think about this. We've gone through Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, Yeshua sends the 12 out. He gives them authority. Did he ever take that authority back? No. He gave them authority and power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And here's a precursor of what's going to happen to them when Messiah resurrect, because he's told his disciples, listen, don't tell anybody about what's going to happen until after the resurrection. But we know that during the crucifixion, they all abandoned him except one. After the resurrection, he had to go and gather them back together. Luke reveals to us that when he's ministering to these at the, um, on the road to Damascus, and then he walks through a closed door because they're scared, locked behind closed doors, he rebuked them. Why? Because of their unbelief. He says, didn't I tell you while I was with you? Didn't I teach you while I was with you? Here, he's saying, listen, I'm looking at a bunch of folks. I know they're going to abandon me as soon as the crucifixion happened. I've already seen it. He knows this. He's had a conversation with Moses and Elijah in the dream at the top of the mountain who came to talk to him about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. We don't know the discussion, but I suspect part of the discussion even as Yeshua says, listen, I chose all of you. He knew when he chose them, one of them was a devil. He know why he's with them. It's like, man, I didn't gave these guys authority and power to cast out devils. I leave them for a little while to go up in the mountain 
and they get engaged with the scribes. They're having disputations amongst themselves. They can't even minister to a man who has a son and they just come back talking about how they saw, you know, all these miracles and, and how even in his name, demons just responded to his name. And here they are. But there's a lot going on around them. And here's the thing with us, brothers and sisters, because there's a lot going on around us. If you're a husband, you got a wife. If you're a father, you have children. If you're a wife, you got a husband. If you're mothers, you have children. You have in-laws and, and extended family members. You have neighbors. You have co-workers. If you're a boss, you got employees. If you're an employee, you got bosses. You got all kinds of stuff happening around you every single day. And it's enough to get you distracted. And you think your little 30 minutes worth of prayer, your hour worth of prayer in your prayer closet is going to get you through that. Brothers and sisters, you got another thing coming. You don't need the power and presence of the almighty to order your steps day in and day out to keep you from stepping in all those traps that the enemy has laid for you. He warned you about certain traps and you fall into them anyway. He showed you certain people and you keep hanging out with them. He revealed to you the ones that is sucking your energy, draining your spirit and helping to impart more and more unbelief and causing doubt. He's showing you the, the enemies in your life. He's showing you the people in your world, the folks that you have allowed access to you that has hooked up their IV and just sucking the life right out of you. Now, what are you going to do about it? Because pretty soon, if you don't do something, you won't have no life. You'll be so busy trying to please other people and, and make sure other people are healed and willed and you yourself is dying on the vine. So Yeshua is looking at this. He's like, man, I've been with these guys. I've sent them out and I go up on the mountain for a little while, you know, talk about what's going to happen after I reveal to them. I can't leave these guys a few minutes before they, they just, they done forgot their authority. They've forgotten their power. They're engaged with individuals. It's like, you nine that I left, I've told you about the scribes. I've told you about the Pharisees. I've told you about the Sadducees. I've told you about the 11. Why are you arguing with them? You got to learn and know when to just stop conversating with certain people because I don't care how much you conversate with them, they still stuck. And here they engage you again. They don't they figure it out how to establish conversation that is going to engage you with no intent whatsoever of receiving anything from you. And this is how the enemy used these people to wear you out. Cause that's the work of the enemy is to wear the saints out. Look at the folks that you spend most of your time with trying to convince about things that they ain't been convinced yet. And many of them is family. And what do you sure says the man's enemies will be who? What do you think he meant by that? Who do you think he meant that a man's enemies, his adversaries will be where? In his own house. You think it was lying? Think he didn't know what he was talking about? Hello? 
Where's your biggest headaches coming from? Better listen to the Savior and develop your defense on how to deal with these scoundrels. Because they're coming for you. He says, oh, you faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? In other words, you know what Yeshua is saying here is like, man, I'm dealing with the cream of the crop and they still ain't getting it. I've handpicked these individuals, hand selected them. I've spent all this time. I've sent them out. I've poured into them. I've, I've ministered and, and, and just talked and talked. And, and it's like they still, for whatever reason, to bring the boy here. It's like the stuff that, that you all should have been able to do. I got to do it. I can't even go in the mountain for a little while and fellowship. Come on, folks. Faithless. Apistos is the opposite of faith, unfaithful, faithless, not to be trusted without trust. It's basically to believe not, to believe not, perverse, to distort, turn aside. And here you'll see that when he's talking to them, he's talking to the multitude, but he's also talking to his disciples. It's like you guys have turned aside from the things that I've taught you. What's caused you to turn aside from the things I taught you? Well, I can t- show you in the context, those legalistic people called Christians here, they're scribes. Those people that are questioning you about your observance of the law, you're observing Sabbath, you're observing the feast. Those people who are trying to tell you over and over and over again, and you're surrounded by with your Christian TV and all your Christian worship and all the folks around you who are telling you, you know, grace, brother, grace, brother, grace, grace, grace. And so here it is there. I don't know if they're trying to defend them, their position with the scribes, but those religious people has caused them to lose focus. They're contending with the man. They're contending with the scribes and the man who has a son who simply won't ministry has been ignored. I don't know if they tried to cast the devil out and couldn't. The man says, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything, which says that they did something. But why are they arguing with the scribes instead of ministering to the man? Because the scribes maybe saw their inability. Maybe, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that they had turned from what Messiah had taught them and gave them authority to do. What's causing us to turn from it? If you're not doing it, it's obvious that you, you either don't believe you can or you've turned aside for a moment. You should rebuke the devil. Now, here he calls it a devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Did Yeshua go and fast and pray? He just rebuked the devil. Okay? And the child was cured from that very hour. Now, that word devil is a deity or divinity or spirit of being inferior to God, superior to men, evil spirits, or the messenger and minister of the devil, an unclean spirit, as Luke will re- refer. 
Mark records Yeshua calling the spirit a deaf and dumb spirit. In, in Mark 9, 25, it says, When Yeshua saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Now, Matthew says lunatic. Mark, Yeshua says, is a deaf and dumb. I'm more inclined to believe what Yeshua said that he's dealing with the deaf and dumb spirit indicating that at times, whether the boy could talk or hear at times, because the man says oftentimes when the thing come upon him, it cast him into the fire, which suggests that he goes in and out, or maybe it's a continual because Yeshua asked the man, how long has the, ch- uh, the boy been like that? And he says, since he was a child, which indicates that he was beyond childhood. So he's been dealing with this for a while. It says, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Now, y'all might want to put your cell phones on silent because I'm going to tell you with what we're dealing with. It's going to be distractions. And you see when a distraction, how easily you get distracted. Why do you think distractions happen at certain times? See, everything around us is designed. And if you're not aware of that, because everything is spirit, nothing happens by chance. Nothing. I was reflecting on being in the world. I remember when I was in the world. When I was in the world, man, it used to be couldn't wait till Friday. Get paid on Friday. You can hit them bars. You can, you know, do your thing. You ain't got to work. And soon that spirit that would visit on Friday said, you know what? Let's start this week off on Thursday. Next thing you know, about Thursday, you get a visitation. That spirit visits you on Thursday, getting you ready. You know, Thursday became the devil's prep day, prepping you for Friday. And after a while, he started showing up on Wednesday. Now, those of you who remember when you was going to church, it's like, man, it seemed like every, every Saturday that spirit will show up and make you think, okay, I don't feel like going to church. I'm not going to church. You ever talk to folks, you know, here it is Thursday and they say, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm not feeling good. It's like, it's Thursday, bro. Are you, are you projecting? Are you prophesying that? Whatever is causing you to not feel good on Thursday is going to cause you to not feel good on Friday and it's going to prevent you because you don't feel good to attend worship on Sabbath. It's Thursday. And that spirit comes on the world. It comes on your children. It comes on folks. You know, you start seeing them getting agitated Thursday. You know, it's like, okay, now, Family, we're going to be getting up on Sabbath and heading to service. Getting all contorted because they got a visitation. You don't see it. You just see a change. And people give in to these spirits. They don't even realize it. They think what they're feeling is them when the fact is, is that you got company. You better wake up. Because that devil is trying to keep you from operating in the power. He don't care about you showing up here. You just stop up your ears so you don't hear nothing. And if you don't stop up your ears, okay, you, you can hear, but what you going to do with it? You going to be a hearer only? 
Are you going to do something with what you're hearing? Because this is really how you build your faith. Is you got to take what you hear and put it into practice. And then be on the lookout. Look, I'm 62 years old. I got a lifetime of reflection. I've observed and examined. See, that spirit shows up on people. And then when the feast time comes, notice how people who they already got a problem with Sabbath, they got a real problem with the feast. Satan and his mama. I don't know if Satan got a mama. I don't think he got a mama, but he got a lot of uh, demons. They started having their, their Sabbath services to figure out how to keep you from keeping the Sabbath holy. And then they plan in advance for the feast days, you see. And they'll show up in numbers. <laughs> when the Bible says, do not be ignorant of the wiles of the devil, what the Almighty is saying, you better pay attention to how the devil has operated in your life in the past. Because as long as he has been able to be operational and cause damage in the past, then he knows that insanity is just keep on doing the same thing. He's going to keep doing the same thing. What are you doing about it? How are you keeping the enemy from getting in your head, getting in your spirit, getting in your, in your mouth, in your emotions? Because that's what he wants. He wants to sift you. And so he cast the devil out and says, enter no more into him. Luke records Yeshua calling the spirit an unclean spirit. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. So here it is. The man is bringing the boy and, and the devil is trying to keep the boy from going. Just, just no, you ain't going. And then throw the boy down and then start ripping him from the inside. And Yeshua rebukes him. He rebuked what? The unclean spirit, the unclean spirit, which is a deaf and dumb spirit. According to Yeshua's teachings, lunatic, according to what Matthew says, and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. Now, a question arise. Why could not we cast him out? Why could not we cast him out? Then came the nine disciples to Yeshua. Remember, the three was with him. So it was the nine remaining and said, why could not we cast him out? What was the question? Why could not we cast out that devil? What was the answer to the question? Because of your unbelief. Now, what Yeshua could have said, which is what preachers preach, because you know a lot of times preachers preach stuff they don't know what they're preaching about. Yeshua could have said, when they say, why couldn't we not cast him out? He could have said, because this is one of those demons you got to go fast and pray before you can cast out. He didn't say that. But that's what preachers preach, a lot of them. What did he say? Because of your unbelief. And Yeshua said unto them, because of your unbelief. Why couldn't we cast them out? Because you didn't believe. For verily I say unto you, and then he starts addressing their faith issue. But for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing shall be impossible to who? 
those who believe. See, that's the issue, brothers and sisters, those who believe. If you don't believe you can cast out a devil, then you don't believe that. The issue is your faith. That's where the issue, I'm not talking about your faith in God. I'm talking about your faith in believing what he says about you and the authority that he's given you to walk in. What's draining that from you? What's taking that ability from you? What's weakening your faith? Because basically what he's dealing with here, that word apostia, unbelief is unfaithfulness, faithless. And notice what I got underlined, a lack of faith or want of faith or a weakness of faith. That's the issue here. And then he says, if you have faith, this is the opposite of unbelief, pistis, conviction of the truth of anything, belief, then, and that word and all of this usages are there. If you had the faith of a mustard seed. So, so what is he saying? If you just simply had a little faith, you could have done this. Just a little faith. When I look at the circumstances surrounding them, I see religious people confronting them because of whatever and their focus is off. And Yeshua gets frustrated. Why would he get frustrated with them? Why? The same reason he gets frustrated with some of us. We have to be careful that we don't allow the cares of the world drain us and render us useless. There's a lot of concerns that we have. You know, you got children to care for. You got bills to pay. You've got vacations to take. (laughs) You got retirement to think about. There's a lot of stuff on your plate. And the way I deal with all the stuff on my plate is everything that I deal with today, I deal with it from the perspective of a renewed mind addressing it as to how do I address this issue in a way that would be pleasing to my father? How do I respond to this issue in a way that would be pleasing to my father? And what that means is that before I respond to something that just came at me, I have to inquire. I have to get so good at inquiring of him as to how to respond to this, lest I just respond. And I've spent a great deal of my life just responding. And as I reflect back on it, even though I had faith in him, I respond out of my own carnality. And nine times out of 10, my response is inappropriate. Now I got to apologize because I responded I came out of a bag. I came out of an attitude. I responded in a way that was not in alignment. If I'm responding with profanity or coming forth out of anger, or I'm saying and and operating in a manner that's causing somebody to become afraid or contentious that's causing somebody to rise up, or am I composing myself thinking through my thoughts, choosing the right words, thinking what is the outcome that I want to to come from this, 
Just because somebody else gets elevated don't mean you have to elevate yourself. Just because somebody starts cussing at you don't mean you got to cuss back at them. Just because somebody starts screaming and hollering at you don't mean you got to scream and holler at them. Because what you've allowed to happen at that moment is that their spirit now has jumped on you. That's not the Holy Spirit you're operating out of. That's another spirit. And either you had that spirit all, all the time or that spirit just jumped on you and caused you to respond and behavior according to the spirit that is responding and behaving towards you. Yeshua is frustrated with them. See, Yeshua didn't allow the devil or his spirit. Whenever the devil came at him, he rebuked him. If you be the son of God questioning you, just like they questioning his disciples, the devil himself came to Yeshua and questioned him. And then his own disciples says, no, Lord, be far from you. And he had to rebuke the devil and his own disciple. Get behind me, Satan. You got to start recognizing the devil when he's operating in people that has access to you. And you don't want to wait to that moment to go somewhere and talk about, hold on, Mr. Devil, I need to go fast and pray. I'll be back. Matthew 17, 21. Now, for those of you who got a Bible, you will find that if you got a good study Bible, that this verse is not in your Bible. In fact, Matthew 17, 21 is missing in several versions of the Bible. If you've got Matthew 17, 21 in your Bible, there's a possibility that there's a footnote that is associated with it saying that this verse was not part of the original. Some Bibles go from verse 20 to verse 22, which shows you that the people who did the translation skipped a number, a verse, verse 21. But how many of you know Matthew did not write in verses? He didn't say, okay, verse one, okay, verse two, okay, verse three. He wrote a, a letter, if you would, a, a record of what took place. So if you've got a new international version of the Bible, that verse is not there. How many of you got a new international version? Is it there? If you've got a new living translation, the verse is not there. If you've got a new revised standard version, the verse is not there. If you've got the complete Jewish Bible, the verse won't be there, but there's a footnote that says some manuscripts include verse 21. Other versions has the verse in brackets. The bracket indicates that it's added. If you look at the instructions in the front of the book of the New American Standard Bible is one of those. It's in bracket form. Others carry the verse, but indicate it was not in the original manuscripts or that it was added or simply has verse 21 in italics. But when you're reading and you're not studying, you're not paying attention to any of this. Because in verse 21, it says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. What kind? That's the question. 
What kind? Because the context is not the devil. The man's boy has been healed and he's gone. The context is why couldn't we cast it out? The answer to the question is unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Not because you got to go and fast and pray to cast out this kind of devil when he's given them authority and power over all the devils. He'll train on serpents and scorpions. He sent them out to cast out devils. So a deaf and dumb spirit, I'm going to tell you probably one of the most difficult spirits out there is that homosexual spirit, that lesbian demon, that LGBT spirit. It's, it's difficult for me to even have a conversation with a person who's confused in their identity. You think that if they're confused in their identity, they're not confused. So the fact that you're having a conversation with somebody who is confused in their identity tells you you're having a conversation with a confused person. How do you expect to have a rational conversation with a confused person? They're warped in their thinking. And the world around you is trying to get you to say, it's okay, you can have conversations with them. They're nice. They're friendly. They're this, they're that. No, they're confused. They're still confused. A man can't tell the difference between having relationships with the opposite sex and having a relationship with the same sex with the Bible calls an abomination. And you got people who will not eat the abomination, but will have fellowship with the abomination. Oh, I'm coming for it. We got to come for it because if we don't, you know what it's going to do? It's going to push us back and push us back. And once you start compromising here, you start compromising a little bit of there because a little leaven does what? Leaven is the whole lump. Pretty soon you're good for nothing. You're salt that's supposed to be salt, but now you've lost your savor and you're not good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled. And that's exactly what the enemy is preparing the saints for to trample them under feet, to compromise their faith. This is why I love when I read the book of Kings, the distinction between the good Kings and the evil Kings. See, you know what made the good Kings good is they, they tore down those high places. They returned the people to the Torah. That's what made them good in the sight of the almighty they return the people to the Torah. They begin to look at what father said, says that stuff there shouldn't be in the land. That stuff you got to deal with. No witches, no sorcerers, no man who lie with men, no women who lie with women, no man who dresses up like a woman, no woman who dresses up like a man, nobody who's eating the rat, the, the swine, the shellfish, Folks who have, they just have no clue. You know what? Y'all all going to be judged together. And the church has bought a lot of this stuff, hook, line, and sinker. And there's folks right now gnashing their teeth at me. When you stand for what he stands for, you probably end up with what he got. Crucified, persecuted, called all kinds of names, lies made up on them. Because that's, that's what the world does. The demons try to demonize you and they got a lot of ways of trying to demonize you. And when they can't get you to back up and compromise, they'll pick at you. They'll try to, 
with what what is that thing they they call now culture cancel culture cancel culture they'll try to cancel you out and then they'll look for stuff and then they'll try to set you up this is why brothers don't be picking up no women i don't care you know if you see a woman out there stranded you better call a cab i need a ride don't be because i'm going to tell you all it takes especially if you're a married man all it takes is just, if you really want to help her, help her. But you better be careful. Because all it takes is for the devil to say, you know what? I saw your husband with such and such. What? Yeah, I saw him riding with a woman in his car. You did? Where? And now the fact that you got to come home and explain that, the fact that you didn't come home and explain it. <laughs> now the enemy has just attacked your credibility with the people in your house. Well, you think I would do something like that? Well, you shouldn't have had her in the car. In the first place, what were you thinking? Well, I was trying to help. Duh. There are other ways you could have helped. You could have stayed until the cab came. <laughs> outside the car. Well, it was raining, then stand in the rain. It ain't going to kill you. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, some of the stuff that individuals, and I'm sitting here counseling them, and it's like, you didn't know, you didn't know better than to do that? You think, had you not done that, we'd be sitting here right now? You hear what I'm saying? Dumb stuff. Irrational. So, keep in mind that Yeshua had given them power against unclean spirits to cast them out in Matthew 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to do what? Cast them out. This is in Matthew chapter 10. Here they are in Matthew chapter 17. See, brothers and sisters, every single day, your belief is going to be tested. On some cases, multiple times a day. So, you excited because you just just got the victory and you don't see the next devil coming up behind you. Why? Because they're circling the wagon. People used to say, you know what? Tragedy comes in what? Twos or threes. <laughs> now, if you really believe that, then you should be on the lookout for the next two. Cause it's coming. The enemy is constantly every single Day, all day long and he's got a lot of folks he can work with a lot of folks I hear some of the saints talking about the, some of their co-workers how you know they, they go to work and they got to deal with this person every day they go home I hear husbands you know who are unbelievers or who have wives who are unbelievers and wives who have husbands who are unbelievers and some of the comments you know being a punching bag, being disrespected, not wanting to honor the Sabbath, not wanting to eat clean, cooking, you know, stuff in the house. Um, and then I'm thankful if you've got a, a husband or a wife who don't believe and they try their best to honor your belief, be thankful. Just because they don't show up for service with you, well, at least, at least they're not giving you hell in your walk. 
They might question you. They may even tell you you off. They may even tell you 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 know you you didn't fall from grace. Well, I can tell you that walk in grace, fall from grace. If they say you've fallen from grace, that don't that don't give you an excuse not to operate in grace. Walk in grace. Walk in love. Walk in mercy. Live your best life in him, regardless to what people around you choose to do. And don't allow their choices to influence your behavior if it's going to cause you to walk out of your your square or your spot or come from underneath that shadow of his wings. What can they do? But talk. I used to hear talk is cheap, but I'm going to tell you, you know, the, those parents who said uh, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hear you, hurt you. Most of the fights we got into was because of words, not sticks and stones. Words are hurt. And you got to learn how to not let those words, they go in and out. They come at you. You got to learn how to bob and weave and rope a dope. <laughs> Unbelief, again, weakness of faith, want of faith, or faithless. And you got to identify where you are. I don't believe you're faithless, but I believe at times our faith gets weak, especially if we're not doing anything to build it. What do you think is going to happen? Do you know that when I was young, I had these knots on my stomach. You know, they used to call them six packs, eight packs. I've been trying to find them jokers. <laughs> they eluding me. <laughs> I mean, man, I get a headache trying to, trying to blood rush into my head about to fall out. Tried to flex. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You know when ain't nobody looking you in the mirror trying to puff it up, especially when you see your young sons and they walk around here like all buff. You know, and here you are. It's like, man, you better keep that shirt on. <laughs> you know, if you don't do anything with your body, your body starts getting weak. I used to do push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups. And, you know, the older I got, I stopped doing that. Tried to drop down to do 50 <laughs> like I used to. But if I did, I was out of breath. I used to be able to push up with one hand behind my back. <laughs> mm. I don't even want to tell you. It's like I don't think I can get up off the floor. I just gave up on that about eight years ago, 10 years ago. <laughs> but this is what happens to your faith if you don't exercise it. Your six pack becomes a keg. <laughs> you got a pot belly. You don't want that to happen to your faith, brothers and sisters. There are times when your faith is strong. At other times, your faith may be weak. The lesson Peter learned and taught. And I encourage you because I'm going to move on. Let me read it. I'm going to read this real fast. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of, 
Elohim and of our Yeshua, of Yeshua, our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us. His divine power has given unto us. What? Divine power. We have divine power. Peter learned this. That pertained to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath caused us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, what virtue and to what virtue knowledge and to knowledge, temperance and to temperance, patience and to patience, godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua Messiah. But he that lacked these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And it's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you should never fall. I believe that this is a lesson Peter learned directly. Because of his failures. Following Yeshua is not enough. You got to work your faith. You got to build your faith. You got to add to your faith. You got to walk in faith. How often? All day, every day. He's given you the divine nature. You got to transition from the nature of the old man to the divine nature of the new man. And begin to walk in the authority and the power that he's made available to all of us. Verse 22, and while they abode in Galilee, where Galilee, Yeshua said unto them, the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. The word tribute is used in this passage three times. Two times is under the guise of the temple tax, but the question Yeshua poses indicated was a different tax. Also note where they are when the question was posed, they were in Galilee, according to verse 22, specifically Capernaum, according to verse 24, which was a long way from the temple. If you know your geography, verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, Capernaum is on the other side of the Galilee. Jerusalem is in the opposite direction. They came to Capernaum and they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, does not your master pay tribute? Tribute here is dirachman, which is a double drachma, a silver coin equal a two attic drachmas or one Alexandrian or one half shekel. So the word here goes to the tabernacle or temple tax as it were called. But Torah states it as atonement money, not a tithe to be used to service the tabernacle. So this half shekel was for the purpose of the tabernacle, tabernacle service, not the tithe. Now, Exodus 30, verse 13, this they shall give everyone that passes among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 garas and half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Everyone that passes among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto Jehovah. The rich shall not give more. The poor shall not give less than a half shekel specific. So I don't care if you're a billionaire, you don't come in there with 20 half shekels. He says a half shekel. Doesn't matter how much money you got. A half shekel. 
is what is required. The rich shall not give more. The poor shall not give less. Everybody 20 years old is responsible and over. When they give an offering unto Jehovah to make an atonement for your souls. This is not a redemption. This is not redeeming the firstborn. This is an atonement, a half shekel for what? And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. That it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before Jehovah to make an atonement for your souls. So every, I mean, think about it. Everybody that's 20 years old, they have to pay this. And then when there's 20 year olds, there's a bunch of 19 year olds waiting to turn 20. And guess what? When they turn 20, guess what? And then when they turn 20, there's a bunch of 19 year olds waiting to turn 20. And when they turn 20, and so as long as Israel is being fruitful and multiplying, there's a constant group of 20 year olds that are up and coming. And every year, those 20 year olds that become 20, give the money for what? The service of the tabernacle. This is the Torah. Matthew 17, 25. So Yeshua addresses the issue. He says, yes, Peter says. And when he was coming to the house, Yeshua preventing him saying, what thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth, who is he talking about? Because this is not something that is imposed upon by the king of heaven. He's addressing the king of the earth. Take custom or tribute. And then he used these two terms, custom and tribute. Now, if you didn't know any better, you would think the tribute that he's responding to is the tribute that is in the previous verse when they said, do your master pay the tribute? He says, do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers? The custom is telos, and that is as the definition taxes. Tribute here is kinsos, not drachmas. Notice what it said in the previous verse. The tribute was what? Didrachman. Here, it's Kinsos, meaning a census among the Romans, denoting a register and valuation of property in accordance with which taxes were paid. In the New Testament, tax of tribute led, levied on individuals to be paid yearly, poll tax, but it's a different tax. So they're operating under the guise of temple tax in Galilee, opposed to what Yeshua is speaking about. So he says, what? The tribute Yeshua spoke of was the money levied by the Roman emperor Caesar on the Hebrews, not the tabernacle dues Jehovah required in the Torah. It's two totally different tributes. Because at one point, Yeshua, they was questioned because they accused him of what? Not paying tribute to Caesar, which is a different word, by the way. Because you got the Greek, you got the Hebrew, and then you got the Latin. And depending on who's speaking it in their language. Verse 26, Peter said unto him of strangers. Yeshua says unto him, then, are the children free? Are the children free? If the kings of the earth levy taxes on the strangers, which is actually a toll, because, well... 
Then are the children free. In other words, the children are exempt from that. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. Now, how many of them was there? How many of them were there, folks, who was with Yeshua? There were at least 12 besides him. And depending on how many of the, of the disciples are following him, there could have been a great number. And he's asking about who? Your master. Remember, there were all kinds of opportunities that they tried to trap Yeshua. And this was one of them. This is why when we study the scriptures, We've got to study and search and not assume because you see tribute, 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 and you think it's all one thing when in fact, based on the question, and this is what made me even look at it because it's like, okay, Yeshua would not have been opposed of the temple tax, would he? And if he was, then he had already paid it. So why is he paying it? Why is he asking him that? And then Peter says, you the one who answered without consulting me because he asked you about me. You're going to answer for me. So you've just by your words said that I pay and I would dare say that what he's doing here as he stated is, is not to offend them because if Peter answered for Yeshua and says my master paid the temple tax and then or the, the, the tribute and he doesn't pay it then now they could say, you lied. So I'm looking at this and it's, it's like, why is he even, but what about the other disciples? Because Peter only went down there to get one coin. And couldn't he have just said, hey, Judas, you got the money back, pay my taxes. Are you following this? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop here. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.